So today, as I said, this is the last of the series of sermons we've been doing on First John with the theme, God is Love. Uh, and as we've seen over the past month, this letter, which is one of the last books of the New Testament, really asks and tries to answer some of the deepest questions that we have about our lives and about God himself. So last week we looked at the questions, uh, you know, what is love really? And who is God really? It's hard to get bigger ones than that, bigger questions to ask. Now, as we know, First uh, John is the first of three letters that have, we have in the New Testament written by John the Apostle. And he wrote these letters to encourage churches that he had started or church he was looking after around the Mediterranean. And the letter he wrote was concerned to provide clarity to these people about some pressing issues, particularly about the kind of teaching that was going on in their churches, and to warn them against false understandings of who Jesus was and what Jesus had done that were creeping into their community. So he spends a lot of time on those particular questions, who is God, who is Jesus, and what he's done. But at the end of the letter to his churches, John turns to more practical applications for the issues and concerns that are in the hearts of the members of his churches, and they're questions that they have, I think, about their own lives as followers of Jesus. And I think in this passage that we've read, he addresses many things, but at least one of the deep questions that they have, and one that I know many people today even struggle with, which is, how do we know that we are truly loved by God? How do we know that we are truly loved by God? You know, and I think that one of the key questions that we're all born with is this question, am I loved? Am I loved? So, you know, from the beginning, um, as an infant, you know, we know we are completely dependent for our life and for everything we need on people who love us, people who love us enough to feed us, to clothe us and to care for us. We need to know, am I loved? And I think a baby's cry, when they cry out, essentially it's a question asking this question, does someone love me enough to respond to me and give me the things that I need? As we grow up, I think this question becomes, of course, less immediately urgent. You know, we become more self-sufficient. We're able to look after ourselves physically. And we don't rely on loving carers around us at all times. But I think the question does still remain at our hearts throughout our lives. And I think it's at the heart of a lot of our social lives, at our careers, at our emotional and spiritual striving that we have throughout our life. Am I loved? Am I fundamentally accepted? Am I safe? Am I loved by people? Do I have a place in the world that is mine? And I think so much of what we try to do every day, if we look at ourselves, is just trying to get an answer to this question that's secure and that feels real. Am I loved? And there is a spiritual side to this question then, I think, which John addresses, which is, am I loved by God? Does God really love me? You know, is the God who made me, does he have my best interests at heart? Am I under God's care? Am I safe in entrusting myself to God's plan and to follow Jesus and where he might lead me? And I think we know that this is one of the underlying questions that John is addressing in this letter because of the way he speaks at the, uh, towards the end of the passage that we read. So in verse 13 to 14, he says to them, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So John's saying, I think, you know, well, we may believe that God loves us, we may believe in Jesus, but he asks, how do we know that we have eternal life? How do we know that we can have confidence to approach God and that he hears our prayers? How do we know that? And so John answers this question, I think, in this passage by giving these people some various witnesses or testimonies to the love of God and the truth of their faith in Jesus. 
things that they can look at to, and see to make that known to be true. So the first answer is given in verses 2 to 5, and it's really a question about our experience of love. And John says, we know that we are children of God, and we know that we're loved by him and that he loves us because we obey his commands and we love other people. As I've said, I think, throughout the, the series, John seems to be a very concrete thinker. He's not a speculator. He wants to know what's really going on. And so when, when he looks for evidence of love, he looks for the things that we can see and the things that we can touch. So, you know, how do we know that we love someone? Well, he'd say, he doesn't, you, know, you can talk forever about your feelings for, for people. But John says, we know we love someone because of what we do for them. We know we love other people because we care for them. We meet their needs. We actually do something. And he says here, we know that we love God and his love is in us because we obey him, because we do what he tells us to do. And what does he tell us to do? He tells us to love other people. And that obedience, that love then triumphs over the world through Jesus Christ and shows that God is real. Now, so that's his first thing he says, I think. But, uh, you know, but as an answer to the question of how we know that God loves us, it's an odd argument. It seems a bit back to front. You know, I know that God loves me because I love other people. But intellectually, it's not, perhaps doesn't make sense. But I think emotionally and experientially, it actually does, which is, I think, John's concern. So John says, you will know that God is love. You will know that Jesus is real and you have confidence you can approach God because you, of the love that you have in your life for other people and the love you have for God the love of God that's changed your life. Therefore, in those experiences, you are experiencing the love of God and the presence of Jesus flowing through you. He is there. And that's a witness for you. So simply saying, he's saying, how do we know that God loves us? Well, what testifies to that is firstly that we know God loves us because of the love that we have for each other. Because, as he said earlier, God is love. And if you live in love, you live in God. And he lives in you. So that's the first thing he says. How do you know God loves? Because you love. But what John then does in most of this passage is actually look at other testimonies, and particularly the testimonies of Jesus himself. And how does Jesus and what we see in him testify to the love of God and our assurance of life with him? And so John offers three elements, I think, of Jesus' life that offer testimony to this. And this is where we get into this difficult passage in the middle, which you might have looked at when we read and thought, hey, hey. Uh, you know, if that's in, for instance, in verse 7, he says, there are three things that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. Now, who knows what that means? Can you tell us? <laughs> um, it's a very perplexing passage, and it's hard because John doesn't actually explain here what he really is referring to with these three things. And so people have offered various explanations over the years as to what he's talking about. Uh, the best one that I've heard is the idea that John is referring here to key elements in the life and the ministry of Jesus and events in Jesus' life that show the power and love of God in action in ways that people can see and experience in ways that they can experience even now as followers of Jesus. Okay? So firstly, he talks about the water. And I think the water is probably a reference to the baptism of Jesus and you may know if you've read the Gospels that they begin early on by describing what happened when Jesus started his work at the time and he was baptised by John the Baptist. And you can read about this, in, for instance, in Luke chapter 3. And at that event, when Jesus was baptised, people heard and saw the event, that there was this voice that came from heaven, the God the Father speaking a testimony, saying to Jesus, of Jesus, this is my son whom I love. And the Holy Spirit came down to visibly rest on Jesus at that time. And so I think the, what John is saying is this water 
of baptism that Jesus went through is a testimony from God that Jesus is his son and that God's love is working with him and through him. It's something that can be seen. And therefore then, every Christian like us who is baptised ourselves is repeating that experience and that testimony in their own lives. We're seeing it happen again for us personally. The same thing that happened to Jesus is happening to us. So I think that's the testimony of the water. God saying, you are my child, I love you, I am pleased with you. The baptism of Jesus in us. So I think that's what the water's about. And the blood, most likely I think is a reference to the cross of Jesus Christ and his death. I think that's fairly obvious. And of course we know the cross of Jesus is the greatest testimony to the love of God that we've ever seen. And to Jesus' mission, what he came to do as the Son of God among us. He came to die for our sins, to be for the salvation of the world. And he did that through the cross where his blood was shed. And so I think his blood, therefore, that John's talking about, again, it's a tangible testimony of God's love for us. It's something that people have seen. And so it's also something that we can participate in because it is concrete. And so Christians participate in that event, in the blood of the cross, by acknowledging its truth, by what Jesus came to do. So when we repent of our sins, when we come back to God and seek forgiveness and cleansing through what Jesus has done, trusting in his blood, that is a testimony in our lives that this is real and that what Jesus has done is continuing a power and that God's love is seen in our life too. So I think the blood is a testif- testifies to God's love because of what Jesus did on the cross. And finally, the last testimony that John talks about is the testimony of the Spirit. And so I think John's referring here to more of an inner testimony, the thing that members of the church experience when the Holy Spirit enters into their lives through Jesus, assuring them of God's love for them and his plan for them, and the presence of Jesus in their lives even today. And that's a testimony, of course, it was seen on the day of Pentecost when the followers of Jesus and when he poured out his spirit on the church as a testimony to God's presence among them. And so that testimony is very real, isn't it? It's very personal, it's very present, it's something that can be known by anyone who follows Jesus even today. It's a real, it's something in our lives. And so what I think John is saying is there are these three things at least that testify to Jesus and to God's love for us. The water, the blood and the spirit. Hopefully that's more clear now. I hope I got the right explanation. Um, But I think it's it's a truthful one. And so these are three aspects of the life of Jesus that we can see testimonies of God's love in, but also three aspects of our ongoing life as a church and things we can see in, we can, we can participate in them now through our own faith, our own worship and our own relationship with God. And he's inviting us for those testimonies to be real for us. Through the water and the blood and the spirit of Jesus, we can have confidence to approach God and be heard. So again, if the question is, how do we know that we're loved by God? Well, John says, if we're like a baby that's crying out and receiving care from their parents, God gives us these testimonies in that way, as, as our Father. The love that we have for others is a direct testimony in our life that God is present in us, because it shows that we're his children. And Jesus has come to share our life, to respond to this need we have for love from God and to give us these testimonies. And so some of the testimonies, at least, that we have of Jesus are these tangible and concrete realities, his life, his death, his spirit coming, which lives in the life of his followers. These are things that are open to everyone. And they're signs of love. They're real, they can be experienced, and they reflect the commitment of God to love us and to our life as human beings. And I think that's the heart of what John is trying to say in this whole letter about what Jesus came to do. And so it brings us back then, I think, at the end of this letter to go back to the beginning, to say, what is this about? 
Um, John says right at the beginning of his letter that the purpose in writing this letter to the churches is so that they know who Jesus really was and that they can experience him for themselves in the way that his disciples did and to see the way that God's love for us works in our everyday lives in the real experiences we have. So as we read in the prologue to 1 John, this is the first few verses of this whole book. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. And he goes on to say, this life appeared and we have seen it and testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. And we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. So John wants him to know God is real, God is love. And this is how you know, he says, because of what Jesus has done. And so as we've seen in the past four weeks, what unfolds in the rest of the letter after this is John's testimony to the reality of God's love in the communities that he's talking to. Um, The love that actually changes who we are that overcomes every barrier between us and God and the barriers that we set up between ourselves. So what I hope we take away from this letter as we start the year together is that our faith, is, our Christianity, is fundamentally about experiencing God's love in the transformation of our whole selves. That's what John is saying, I think. Not firstly about believing things, of course it is about that, but it's, it's actually firstly about experiencing the overflowing love of God that's tangible, that is even physical in the way it manifests because it's seen through people. It's seen through us. And John is teaching us that everything we do as followers of Jesus is connected to the reality of God's Son coming into the world and his love. And so God's love for us, our love for God, and our love for each other, it's a kind of circle of life and love that we're invited to enter into. Uh, It's at the heart of reality, and John is encouraging us to enter into that. And once you enter into that circle, then all the benefits come that he talks about throughout the letter, so that we're able to be confident when we approach God. We don't fear him, we don't fear judgment, we don't fear death because we know he is there. Um, We're set free from sin through identifying with Jesus and his life and his light that changes us as well. Um, That our relationships as well are changed because the love of God sets us free from the need to hold on to things. And he changes our hearts towards each other to be more like his own. And fundamentally, we should know that we are loved by God, we are secure in him, whatever happens, and like a child, you know, laying content in the arms of their parents, okay? Our Father. So today, I would want to encourage you, if you're a Christian, if you put your trust in Jesus, that it's, it's a good thing to look for the signs of God's love in your life and to embrace them and to move more deeply into them and to, and to rest in them particularly when we're feeling cast down about things that are going on around us. And to ask Jesus, you know, draw me more deeply into this experience of the love of your Father. Um, If you're not there yet, if you're still grappling with who God is and and what that means for you, also, I'd encourage you to open your heart to God in a new way today and think about what does love mean for you? What does it mean to welcome love into your life? Because that's actually who God is. And the more we experience love, the more we experience God. And that's what John teaches us as well. And then we believe that God is love, and so when we experience and show love, we're experiencing God, and that is um, what we learn from him. And Jesus, of course, then is the highest expression of God's love to us, and he's the gateway for us to experience God's love forever and perfectly as we were made to. So I think that's what John is encouraging us to today. So I want to pray as we reflect on that and continue in our time together. Let's pray.
Lord God, we thank you for the revelation that we've had through Christ and through the words of John that you are love and that everything flows from your love. I pray that everyone here would know more deeply that we are loved by you and that you would bring to our minds and to our experience the testimonies of your love in our own lives and in what we know of Jesus and his work among us. I pray for this community that we would welcome your love in and open our hearts to you today. And we pray that we would be absolutely secure in the unshakable love that you have for us. So I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.